the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We're so glad you joined us, and we pray that you are strengthened and transformed by God's Word today. Are you ready? Let's get into the Word. But John chapter 10 and verse 18 says, No one takes my life, but I lay it down. I, notice it said, I gave my back. She said, Pilate, I know you think you got all this power and all that stuff, but let me tell you something. I could call a legion of angels. If this moment wasn't ordained by the Father, it would not be. I gave, I offered my back to those who struck me. It was like deity came to earth and said, devil, take your best shot. And he hung there and he took, I gave my back to those who struck me. And what you'll see about Jesus in the Gospels, one time he was in his hometown and they wanted to throw him off a cliff and the Bible said he walked right through them. You see, no one could do anything to Jesus unless he let them. You got to understand the type of guy Jesus was. It was not the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for you and his love for me that kept him there. So I gave my back and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. A long beard was a mark of honor and distinction in that culture and it still is today in the Middle East. One of the worst insults you could give a man in that period in that part of the world was to cut his beard. And you see that in 2 Samuel chapter 10 and verse uh, 4. But Jesus allowed himself to be completely degraded, completely, completely humiliated. He gave his best, though humanity and mankind was giving him his worst. Despite what was done to him, Jesus stayed on point. No indignity and no cruelty could stop him from demonstrating the full extent of God's love for you and I. And sometimes God puts us in positions. That's why Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you too got to take up your cross. Because God will intentionally put you in positions where you get an opportunity to show the love of God to some sideways, backwards, hateful person. 
And you know, what's the point of having love if, if, if you can only love the lovely? Real love loves the unlovely. Yeah. And the unworthy. Love never fails. And then it continues in the first person. This is 700 years prior. I did not hide my face from shame. Meaning he didn't flinch. He didn't back up. He didn't whine. He didn't cry. He didn't snivel. I didn't hide my face from the shame. He stared it down, looked it in its eye. And spitting. In that part of the world, they don't cute spit. They grab stuff from deep down. And let me tell you something. If I was God, and you spit on me, it would be the last time. But that's why we worship him. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, the Bible says. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on your image of this Jesus we worship. Jesus was at a dinner and this woman came in and started washing his feet with her hair and was crying. And she had this, this uh, fragrance, this perfume around her neck that was super, super, super expensive. And uh, she cracked that alabaster box in the jar and, and, and poured it on Jesus' feet. The people were like, Judas in particular, it's like, listen, all that money you worship, you, you're wasting on worship. <laughs> That's what some people say about this church. But, 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 but you see, when you understand who you're worshiping. <laughs> and Simon was watching and he was like, well, Jesus, if you know who that woman was and you know the type of life she was living, you wouldn't let her be touching your feet like that and certainly not rubbing her hair on your feet. This is improper. This don't look good, Jesus. What type of man are you, Jesus, by the way? You know, what's going on? So Jesus looked the Pharisee Simon in the eye and he said this, he who is forgiven much loves much. And that's why some in this room, some live stream, you don't get the worship. But you ain't been maybe where I've been. Maybe you don't realize the extent of your sin. You see, the worst sin really wasn't even that woman's sin who some say she was a prostitute. It's really that Pharisee sin. Self-righteousness is the most stinky, smelly sin. There is. But the reason sometimes I cry, the reason sometimes I shout, I bow down, I'm on my face. So I know how good God has been to me despite me and... If I can just love him a fraction of how much I know I hurt him in this life, my living won't be in vain. You hear what I'm saying? And my worship is out of gratitude 
from washing me and cleansing me and taking time to talk to me and teach me and to guide me and hug me and hold me, place his spirit on me. And if that's not been your experience, you won't get it. But those of us who come from nowhere, we were nothing but God made us something. We can't help but praise him and honor him and thank him, Lord. What it God, God, I'll give you the clothes off my back, Lord. All the money out my pocket, God. All the tears in my ducks, God. What is it you might want, Lord? I owe you everything, God. And, and I, I, I don't, a thousand tongues, God, couldn't begin to praise you. Verse 7. Yeah. Then he said, again, he's in the mind of Jesus, Isaiah. For the Lord God will help me. This is what Jesus was thinking while he was facing unspeakable horror. For the Lord God will help me. You see, God doesn't always stop it, but he will always get you through it. When mother and father can't help you, sister, brother can't help you, friends can't help you, your degrees, the studied amount of money in your bank account can't help you, your friends can't help the Lord God will help me. And there's some miles on your journey you got to walk alone. And Jesus carried that cross. Some say he stumbled under the weight of it, and that's why uh, uh, the, the other man, Simon, he grabbed the, the, the cross from him. And sometimes you will stumble under the weight of your assignment. And all that does is show us Jesus was not only God, he was human. He knows what it's like to feel the weight of a thing and, and have to deal with stuff that's uncomfortable and, and painful. He said, for the Lord God... Not the Roman emperor, not Pilate, the high priest, not his disciples, none of his friends. The Lord God will help me. Watch this. Therefore, what do we learn when there's a therefore in the scripture? Look and see, pause, right? And see what's what? Therefore. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Why is there a therefore? Because the fact that God was with him cause the outcome that's announced in this next sentence. The Lord will help me, and because of this, this is what he was thinking while he was matted with blood. I will not be disgraced, meaning trouble won't last always. You see, because Jesus knew where his help came from, he knew how things would end up. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you can't think about the middle. you got to think about the end. That's why the Bible said he endured the cross for the joy that was set before. He saw the other side. And when you, you lose the image and the vision of the other side of the thing, that's when we give up. That's when we quit. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. You see, when God is your help, you keep going when everybody else stops. Why? Because you know God's the Alpha and the Omega. He will finish everything he starts. And if it's not good, that just means God's not done. 
And whenever you find yourself in the middle, there's only one direction to go with God, and that's forward. Jesus set his face. Okay, now we're going to see the verse. Therefore, I have set my face. This is what the Samaritan village was dealing with. This is what was showing on Christ's face. I have set my face like a flint, like a stone. I will not be moved. Despite the agony ahead for Jesus, he made up his mind and he fixed his face that he was going to run his race. You see, we don't quit when we're tired. We quit when we're done. I have set my face like a flint. I know I get tired sometimes. How many of you get tired sometimes? Yeah. I feel discouraged at times. I get disappointed at times. I, I don't see a good end of things sometimes. Sometimes I feel weak. Sometimes I don't feel so strong. Sometimes I feel like throwing in the towel. Sometimes I feel like giving up. But the Psalms have become my comfort and I've learned to do what David did in Psalm 42. He said this. It was as if he was looking in the mirror and he looked at his face. It was all upset and worried. His brow all quenched up and squinched up and lips all poked out. He said, self, why? Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why so disquiet? I have no peace. Why have you lost that sense of peace? Why so disquiet? All this noise going on on the inside of me all the time. I just hear hollering and screaming and I just want to give up. Self, hope in God. Sometimes you can't hope in yourself. All you can do is hope in God. Watch this. For I shall yet praise him. Watch this. Watch this though. The help of my countenance. God will help your face in the midst of whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through. And my God. Therefore, because I know whose I am and whom I serve, I've set my face like flint. And a few things stronger than a made-up mind. And I know some things you just got to know. And I don't know how long you have to sit here and hear it before you know it, but stay here till you do. Come on. And some things I kind of hope for, wish for, and kind of believe, but when I know that I know that I know, that's a whole nother thing. And I know Jesus went to the cross knowing something. And you need to face your tomorrow knowing something. Not just wishing, but but a firm confidence where you can set your face like flint. I know my Redeemer lives. I know God is for me. I know God is on my side. And I know that I will not. When this is all over. 
When, when everything is said and done, I will not be embarrassed. I will not be ashamed. I know it looks bad now. I know it feels bad now. But, but, but my Bible says weeping may endure for now, but joy comes in. If I hold on in the nighttime, if I just, just keep doing what I need to do, morning will come, the sun will rise. And my situation will change. Back to 9 and 54. Just two more verses and we're through. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume those Samaritans over there? Just like Elijah did. You see, the problem was the disciples misread Jesus' face. As confidence can easily be confused with arrogance and pride, focus can easily be confused with anger. You see, the disciples, this is, this is, this is, this is the problem, this way. See, the disciples were mad about the Samaritans not receiving him. Their problem was they assumed Jesus was too. Today, psychologists call this projection. And a projection happens whenever you transfer your emotions, your feelings onto a different person or thing. And what the disciples did then, many disciples still do today. We begin to attribute our own personal prejudices our own personal feelings onto God. And if we're mad at him, we think God should be mad at him. If we don't like him, we think God shouldn't like him. If we think we're better than him, God ought to treat us like we're better than them. And today what we do is we build whole denominations and whole churches around projections. We see God like us, and we're going to remake him in our image, in our likeness. You know, it's a very human thing to remake others according to what you feel and what you see. See, I I have found that it's usually the thieves that are most likely to accuse other people of stealing. It's the dishonest that are always accusing people of lying. I'm going to stop right now. Verse 55. <laughs> now Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He had things to do. His assignments on his mind, but he couldn't let that pass. Despite he was going for, he had to turn back and he rebuked them. He said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. The disciples made two mistakes here. First, they didn't really know themselves or realize the depth of their ingrained ethnicism, where the Jewish folks thought they were better than the Samaritan folk and vice versa. But secondly, they didn't really know Jesus or his heart. Whenever you're about... To find fault with someone. This was first said, and I modified a little bit, by an ancient king, or emperor really. Ask yourself, 
What fault of mine most closely resembles the one I'm about to criticize? And this will always help you be just a little bit kinder, a little bit sweeter. Put yourself in their shoes. So Jesus rebukes them. He says, you, you don't know what spirit, you, you don't, what type of spirit is that? I've been with y'all this long. I'm at the end of my journey and y'all still twisting my actions and my deeds and my expression. You, you, you don't know my heart yet. And then this, this next sentence is actually part of the rebuke. And we're going to begin to end on this. He said, for the son of man, I can imagine some exasperation in his voice. For the son of man, guys, did not come to destroy men's lives. Y'all were already messed up. Y'all were already on the path to destruction. I didn't come to destroy men's lives. If God was trying to get y'all, y'all would have already been God. So here's Jesus' rebuke. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy, but to save them. The reason this church is here, the reason I'm standing here and people are serving here and all the rest is not to get you, but to help you. That's the only reason for the church. For the Son of Man did not come to beat you up. Now, he'll tell you the truth. he say, you're wrong. you double wrong. And you've been wrong for a long time. And I'm here to help you get it right. And also, let me tell you, there will be consequences for that wrong if you don't make adjustments about that wrong. But Jesus didn't come to destroy us. Every time he knocks on our heart, knocks on our conscience, he's trying to help you. He's trying to protect you, trying to preserve you. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. But watch this next clause, and I'm going to end here. And they went to another village. And as I read this, I realized this is the thing I need to relearn. This is the thing I think you need to learn from Jesus. Once you have done everything humanly possible, I didn't say everything perfectly. I don't do anything perfectly. But when you do everything you can humanly possible with the gifts, the talents, the understanding you have, and you're doing everything to fulfill your assignment, and people don't receive you, people still unfairly find fault with you. People don't like you. People talk about you. This is when we need to learn from Jesus. What did Jesus do? The, the, the Samaritans did not receive him. But it says, and, and they went to another village. So what did Jesus do when they didn't receive him? Did he cry? Did he whine? Did, did, no. Did he even call down fire? No. He let it go. 
and moved on to a village that will. And sometimes you got to let it go and move on to others who will accept. But you're hanging on to someone who didn't like you, didn't get you, didn't understand you, treated you wrong, but you got to let it go and move on. Jesus had bigger and better things to do. He wasn't going to let the small-mindedness of some little town get in the way of his destiny. And you got to stop letting small-minded people who know very little about God get in the way of your destiny. And they went together to another village. You do not drown. This is not my original statement. Somebody else said it. But you do not drown by falling in water. But you do drown by staying there. And yeah, stuff has happened to you. It's not fair. It's bad. It's wrong. They didn't treat you right. But at some point, you got to move on. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Some of y'all knocking on 90. It's time to get up and move on. Give God a hallelujah and a praise because he's a good God. Come on, stand in your feet. Give him a hallelujah and a praise. Lord, help us move on. Help us let it go. Help us be like Jesus. Help us have the discipline not to want to kill people. Just, just to still bless them and, and wait for another opportunity. Maybe they'll grow and maybe next time they'll receive. This has been Live Big with Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.